0: It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by JK Contracting. Ready? Fight! Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Mador From
1: the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills on the mic alongside Joey Medor. So we got a great program coming forward. It, as this is the 28th day of September, 6.06 on the clock and 81 degrees and raining outside. The Sports Fan presented by j k Contracting. And Joey, it's been a busy weekend. We have postseason reds coming our way on Wednesday starting at 11.30 for the pregame. And then, of course, you know, it was a great football weekend. Trimble wins. And we had bangles to watch and you know, a lot of, lot of good stuff happening. And, uh, you know, can't wait to talk about it, especially with russ Altman, who joins us right now russ how are you
0: connor fantastic my man how was your weekend
1: oh, we're doing well i mean it was a it was a tie with the Bengals. i mean that that kind of uh you know shifted you know how, how i was feeling that weekend because yeah. listeners know that i'm a jet fan out there right i have no hope with the jets but i have I'm some sorry <laughs> <I'm> sorry <Connor. laughs> exactly i've this I got no hope with the Jets, but I have a little bit of hope with the Bengals here. They look like they can move the ball. They look like they can, you know, put together four, you know, four quarters of quality football. But uh, offensive line needs to be improved. Uh, you know, what what was your take on this game uh, yesterday?
0: It was uh, a bundle of frustration, outlined with some great play from from young pieces that, that give you a lot of hope for the future. Joe Burrow was lights out again. He just continues to get better each and every week. And to me, that's, that's something that Bengals fans and everybody obviously in the, uh, in the Athens area can, can hang their hats on from this performance over 300 yards, two touchdowns over 70% completion. It's the type of performance that's happened only a handful of times across the entire history of the NFL in terms of players making their first few appearances in the league. So that's something you got to be really proud of. And T Higgins, two touchdowns, 40 yards receiving in just his uh, second outing in the NFL, second round pick that obviously had a lot of, uh, a lot of good tools to show off at Clemson and is showing them off in force so far in the NFL. So that's a lot of stuff you can hang your hat on offensively. But other than that, guys, it's, it's pretty much an unmitigated disaster in terms of the offensive line eight sacks 18 QB hits in addition to those those sacks according to the ESPN box score i don't i don't know if i would attribute all of that or even even 80 to 75% of that to the offensive line but to me it's it's just it's a, it's a big problem and when your quarterback's getting hit on 26 of his 52 dropbacks in the game that's just unsustainable and that's a big reason why he, he continues to uh, not, not hit the ceiling of, of yards per attempt, efficiency, downfield passing success that Joe Burrow is obviously capable of that he showed off at LSU. So that's definitely the next step is just trying to get this guy some, some more consistent protection and figuring out the issue at right guard. It was, it was a huge problem yesterday, guys, and, and for Fletcher Cox and, and the likes of Malik Jackson to come in and do what they did to Joe Burrow it just can't keep happening because it's not just about also winning games. It's about keeping the guy who's who's going to be the face of the franchise healthy and, and not gun-shy and, and able to continue staying out there and taking those hits for years to come because you can't keep taking that kind of punishment for 16 weeks and expect them to keep trotting out there and not, not get injured at some point. So that's the number one priority on offense. And then defensively, they play pretty well once again. It's just untimely mistakes. At, uh, at inopportune times they did not take advantage of a couple terrible plays by Carson Wentz. He has fallen off the deep end. So it was, uh, it was a tough, tough Sunday outing for the Bengals in a very weird tie. I remember the last time actually when the Bengals tied the Eagles back in 2008, when I was like, what, we're 11 years old <laughs> and I was at my buddy's place. And it's just, it's a weird feeling. And it's one that i I feel like I've experienced the most ties of any, of any person that's been associated with a, uh, NFL team. So the Bengals always keep it interesting, guys. It's it's uh, one week after another.
2: And, Rush, you started to allude to, allude to it a little bit, uh, talking about, you know, the the yard per attempt that Burrow has right now. Not very indicative because he didn't have time to sit back there for five seconds and make a play happen down the field. You can see at times he wants to, but, you know, he's just getting waxed as soon as he looks to complete a ball down the field. Uh, but I think with a silver lining you can take to that is a lot of young guys in that situation – will try to force the big play down the field even though it's not there, but he's been pretty consistent in, you know, hitting the underneath guys when he finds them uh when he finds them flashing open.
0: Oh, it's spot on and and he's shown just veteran savvy out there. In addition to not making the big mistake to not have an interception on the day they didn't have a turnover, they won the turnover battle two to nothing, and usually when that happens you're gonna win a lot of football games and that's just not the way the, the game played out execution wise. But When you look at Burrow and the way he played and and the way he was able to navigate an offensive line that was terrible and and navigate a receiving core that, for A.J. Green, once again, was pretty much stifled by an elite corner. I will give him that. Darius Slay played really well in this game, but built a nice connection with Tyler Boyd uh, later on in the second quarter, carried that into the second half. That's going to be, I think, a go-to bread-and-butter type of playmaking mismatch that they're going to be able to take care, take advantage of for years to come. And then I mentioned T Higgins and the way he was able to just find him in a lot of times, a couple of plays where it was just a, a breakdown in terms of coverage. There wasn't a lot happening and Burrow, just got outside the pocket and made things, uh, made some magic out of nothing. So he has that playmaking ability. And like you mentioned, he had the uh, check, down, check down, savvy and the veteran savvy to draw some guys offside. There was a couple of uh, offside plays he, right. he utilized with hard counts, kind of similar to what we saw last night in
2: Sunday night football with Aaron Rodgers and his ability to move down the field because of the lack of uh crowd noise in an away stadium. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked about it, AJ Green a little bit. Do you, does it worry you at all throughout, throughout the first three weeks, they, those two guys kind of haven't really been able to click as uh, maybe you would want to out of the guy who's supposed to be your number one receiver.
0: It's, it's a little concerning. I'm, I'm yet, yet to fully bury AJ. It's, it is three games coming back. I, I did not expect him to be storming out of the gates. When you when you think about a guy who's missed nearly two two and a half years of football when he uh, when he went out with the ankle injury in the first day of training camp in 2019. So it's going to take a guy like that who who relies on so much athletic ability and timing within the offense in terms of his route concepts and his route tree to get back into the flow. Especially when you're working in a new new quarterback where. He was with with Andy Dalton for the better part of a decade there in Cincinnati. So I'm not ready to bury A.J. He's going to be able to figure things out, in, in, in my humble opinion, and he'll get on, on, on track with, with, with Joe Burrow. But in the meantime, he, he played pretty well in this game, Don't, had a lot lots, uh, more efficient target share. It was a much better outing in terms of uh, yards per catch. And just the way he drew attention from Darius Slay and drew some double teams at times that got some other guys open they were able to take, take advantage of that. It was, a, it was a good day moving the football for the Bengals, but at opportune times for this offense, especially on third down, where they went three of 13, they just were not able to get the job done. And that oftentimes comes down to separation from the receivers. So A.J. has not displayed that at a high rate through the first few weeks. And I'm, I'm hoping, and, I'm, and I know Bengals fans are hoping, that that is just something to do with timing getting used to the flow of the nfl game coming back from injury and not the the uh, proverbial clip as they like to call it at the age of 31
2: yeah and well the ravens are coming up in a couple weeks so i'm sure he's got a 10 catch 150 yard game in there somewhere because uh, that he always seemed to do that against
0: them it always it is always the uh, the perfect elixir of Baltimore <laughs> coming into yeah. town for for a.j green
1: and russ i mean if we take a look at this running game right now, right? I mean, Joe Mixon gets his contract extension and 17 carries, 49 yards. You know, no, no touchdowns. But you know, what what what's going on with Joe Mixon? Is it just because the offensive line can't block enough for him to you know find some space, or is the running game just non-existent in these last couple games?
0: It's a little mixture of both, and and to be honest, guys, it's it's really frustrating. I know Bengals fans are frustrated. With the fact that they are bottom three in the NFL in terms of rushing yards per game right now, and when you go check out this chart, I encourage everybody listening, you guys too, and we're done with this. Go check out the yards per game so far rushing in the NFL through three weeks, heading into the night's uh, big epic battle between the Ravens and the Chiefs, who are in the top tier, top half of the stat. Basically, every team in the top half of that number in terms of rushing yards per game are in the playoff hunt or in the playoffs right now. Every team in the bottom losing record, or, uh, or searching for answers as the Bengals are in, in the team they played, the Philadelphia Eagles. So you have to be able to run the football, especially with a rookie running back and an offensive line that is just an abject disaster in pass protection and has probably the biggest liability in the league at any offensive line position with the right guard spot right now. So the fact that they cannot get the ball going and get their $12 million per year, newly signed, newly extended running back in, in the, in the, in the rushing attack or in the pass game four targets in the first half against Cleveland last Thursday night, and then was not targeted at all in the second half. And then once again, less than five targets in the passing game for a guy that they really need to be an all, all true third down type of all do it all back. That can be in the likes of Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, these guys that are getting paid to make plays in the passing game and the rushing attack and Joe Mixon, unfortunately for the Bengals, is not doing much of either right now. And, and it just really even highlights the impressiveness and the, the, the sheer will of Joe Burrow to carry this offense single-handedly without Joe Burrow right now, this yeah. team would definitely be Owen three. And be trending towards uh, towards the likes of the New York teams in the hierarchy of the NFL. Yeah. yeah,
1: those New York teams have no chance. <laughs> I, I mean, this is coming from a New York guy. I, this, they've got no chance. Uh, it's barely enough for you know the Giants are have been inept. The Jets, you expect it from the Jets, but you don't normally expect it from the Giants. But those two teams. I'd say are worse than the Bengals right now. I mean, they are. Yeah, that's not a hot take, I don't think. I'm not saying that's a <laughs> hot take. I'm just saying that as a disgruntled Jet fan. But, you know, for the Bengals, again, 0-2-1. You wanted to win this game on Sunday. You weren't able to. Uh, but you you got to take the positives, right? You look at Joe Burrow. He's He's been fantastic uh, last game. And really, Tyler Boyd. We talked about him a little bit here, Russ. But uh, with Tyler Boyd heating up and, and kind of transitioning into that favorite target This could be a potential matchup as a new number one receiver for Joe.
0: Undoubtedly, Tyler Boyd is his number one option right now. Ten receptions in that game, guys, 125 yards. Arguably, Tyler Boyd's best performance as a pro in the NFL. And the fact that he's at 26 targets right now, that's leading the team, 230 yards, averaging a healthy 11 yards per target as a guy in the slot. He's just showing his prowess once again this season as a top five, arguably top three player. As a slot receiver, and when you give that kind of weapon to Joe Burrow as a rookie wideout, especially with Tyler Boyd in his prime, it's going to make things a lot easier for Joe Burrow to figure out on the fly when he needs needs a safety blanket, and that's what Tyler Boyd's been, especially in rhythm type of offensive sets where they're getting things going quickly. Joe Burrow can call out the plays, get the get the more scripted feel of a two minute offense out there, and they can hit Tyler Boyd in in, in rhythm over the middle of the field. So. He has been a very, very nice asset for Joe Burrow. You just hope some other guys like A.J. Green, if they can get the veteran going and maybe eventually work in John Ross, who was a surprise inactive, but a smart inactive by this coaching staff, to put T. Higgins in over uh, over the uh, much maligned, polarizing uh, 2017 first-round pick by the Bengals. So this wide receiving core is very talented, but – other than Tyler Boyd is, is yet to show that talent in full force. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially this Sunday against Jacksonville, which just got absolutely torched by Fitz magic on, on Thursday night. And the fact that Joe Burrow set over 70% completion, one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL so far has the ability to go up against a team that just gave up 90% completion to Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's uh, it's gotta be very enticing for that offense to think about, but they got to go out there and execute and prove it. You don't not want to fall to 0-3-1 and, and have some serious question marks surrounding you heading into Week 5.
2: Russ, take a look at the other side of the ball. As you mentioned, that not a bad game. I would say it was above-average performance. They were opportunistic, a couple interceptions, uh, limited big plays for the most part, uh, and they've had some success in the first few weeks here. Do, do you think it has to do with, you know, you have Tyrod and the Chargers Week 1. They they would look kind of, they didn't look too great offensively. Of course, it was a rough one against Cleveland, but another above-average performance this past week. D- is the defense... Uh, maybe exceeding expectations a little bit so far this year?
0: I wouldn't say they're exceeding expectations. You know, they're just kind of meeting meeting the floor, so, so to say, and then not executing when the, uh, when, when the, burglars, when the burglars come into the house <laughs> and try to break down the door. It's, right. it, it's just in, in key situations this team has broken down, especially when you look at the end of the game on, on, uh, on Sunday – the fact that they give up a game-winning drive when the Eagles have literally no options other than Zach Ertz on the field. Dallas Goddard out of the game. They have Deshaun Jackson out of the game. They're totally decimated in their receiving core. All Carson Wentz has to use as a, as a weapon, as his feet. And they give up a scramble touchdown to end the game when all they needed was one red zone stand. To, uh, to close out the football game and get their first win. It's just little things like that where the stats can kind of deceive deceive a little bit. And then in week two, just it's going to be maybe the imprint of the entire portion, at least of the first half of the season, if they don't get things turned around, of the, the touchdown drive by the Browns in the second half where they go six straight runs, no passes, 75-plus yards, stuff it right down the throat of the Bengals. It's just things like that where... It has Bengals fans going, same old Bengals. And at this point, with the team now having lost guys 15 straight, or not, I guess, technically not lost because this was a tie, having not won 15 straight one-score contests, it's, it's starting to become uh, a, a hard-to-break habit and not just a trend or a coincidence here in Cincinnati with these types of performances. So the defense has contributed to that uh definitely their their fair share to say the least
2: gotcha and you know we want to look forward to to next week you'd start talking about a little bit the jags uh interesting start to the year i mean they have a come from behind victory week one play close game week two and then just get absolutely tuned up by miami uh last week on a short week miami kind of ran a pretty simplistic scheme on defense seemed like seemed like he just sat back let him throw the ball underneath didn't let anybody uh get any big plays pop off and then if Patrick just completely lit him up. So, I mean, what do you look at when you look at this matchup uh, for, for week four?
0: This is a game the Bengals have to win. And this is a game where you're looking at the coaching staff and, and really questioning whether or not they are the crew that can lead Joe Burrow and lead this squad, whatever the makeup it will be in the next few years, to what what the ceiling can be with a guy like Joe Burrow, what he has displayed so far. 91 completions, the most in NFL history so far through three games as a rookie. Five touchdowns, one interception, just just very, very strong and taking care of the football and in converting in the red zone so far. And then 821 passing yards, top 10 in the NFL. So they have to find a way, some way, somehow, to get a victory at home this weekend. Three-point favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars who, yeah, Gardner Minshew, it's been cute, it's been fun. I've loved watching it, but... The Jaguars, they, they are the team that we all thought we we're going to be tanking for a reason. They're, they're a team that should not come close to winning four to five games and not come close to having one of those wins be uh, a road victory uh, right on the banks of the Ohio River at Ball Brown Stadium. So the Bengals need to figure out a way to get the job done here, or there's going to be even more serious questions asked about this coaching staff. They're already being burbling up this week. The the calls for offensive line help are, are are very rampant right now, and it's it's just becoming the same old, same old with Cincinnati, and they need to start bucking the trend of moral victories and get a real victory this weekend to uh, stave off some of the hard questions that could be coming the way.
1: Well, Russ, I'll ask you one of those questions. Is Zach Taylor on the hot seat?
0: I would not put Zach on the hot seat right now. I would say the seat is starting to uh, heat up. You know, like when you get in the, one of the nice new cars, you turn it on like on, on level one, you can start the field a little bit. You're like, all right, <laughs> yeah. might need to turn it off. I, I feel like Zach's feeling that right now. He's like, all right, I need to turn it off a little bit. We got it. We have to get a victory this weekend because once again, lost or did not lose. I keep saying that basically lost. Tied did not win a one score outing, did not finish a game in the NFL a league where almost every contest is decided by one score. Nearly half your games, 60% of your games, are going to be decided by one score because of how good every team is and how strong every roster is throughout the 32 teams. So the seed is going to start heating up very quickly if they can't find a way to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at home, a team they are favored to beat, a team they are supposed to beat in the ESPNs, matchup predictor, 61% of the time, especially at home, in a team where they have more talent at almost every position except that offensive line and defensive line matchup. And once again, that's going to be something to watch. And whether or not the Bengals can figure out a way to run the ball. If they cannot get Joe Mixon, their best playmaker, far none, yes, Tyler Boyd's played well, yes, A.J. Green's getting paid $18 million, but Joe Mixon is the guy they have to get going if they want to become an efficient offense. And if they don't start doing that and pair it with the victory this weekend, once again, yes, Zach Taylor could uh, could very well be uh, feeling that seat, heating up very quickly.
1: And, you know, again, we're talking about Russ Heltman. Russ, uh, writer for all Bengals, powered by SI now. Uh, Russ, just finishing up this game this weekend, Doug Peterson you know, was going to go for, what was it, a 60-yard field goal, and then they get pushed back a little bit on the lay of the game in, in, in all this sort. I mean... Do you think that they should have at least tried to kick the field goal, try to win, win the game with you other Eagles? They should have went for it.
0: <laughs> Why not, yeah. fellas? What, 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 how long would a 64-yard field goal take off the clock? What was it, 16 seconds left, right. basically? Yeah. Yeah. So it would, it would have taken 9 to 10 seconds left? You're telling me the Bengals would have had to, the way the Bengals were playing in that fourth quarter, the way that defensive line was tearing up Philly Price and company, On that offensive line, you're telling me that they would have been able to execute a play, get to the line of scrimmage, and get a kickoff in that time. I just, I don't think that would have happened. So, I don't know why Doug Peterson waved a white flag there. If you're the Eagles, in that NFC East, just to go off on a different, uh, on a non bengals tangent here, you have to figure out a way to get at least a 500. If you can figure out a way to get the 500, you have a great shot at winning the division. And a tie helps you none in that situation especially at home in a non-conference opponent where you're you're playing a team in the Bengals who's expected to win maybe five to six games this year so I don't understand why Doug Peterson didn't pull the trigger there it was really incredible and it just highlighted the fact that nobody I don't nobody deserved to deserve to win that game yesterday Phillips
2: yeah and if they win they would have been tied for first place right now in in the, in the, the division so yeah it's interesting move but yeah, Russ, I mean, I definitely agree. you got to get this win next week because, I mean, the schedule doesn't get easy until the bye week after that. You go to Baltimore, you go to Indy, you have the Browns again, you have the Titans, a uh, t- couple teams that are really dominant and running the football, and we all know that's the Bengals, what they're going to really struggle with defensively this year. So you've got to get, uh, get that first win under your belt this week.
0: It is uh, tightening up after the Jaguars, fellas, at the Ravens, Colts, Browns, Titans. Those are uh, formidable formidable opponents, to say the least. Colts, one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Browns, we all know that story, that what happened in week two. And then the Titans, who have curiously only snuck by every single team they've played so far, but you got to give them credit. 3-0, and Ryan Tannehill has shook off the uh, Adam Gase curse from down in Miami and become one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. And then two, two Steeler dates still looming along with the Ravens on the schedule once again, so... Fellas, it doesn't get much easier, especially when you think about defensive lines that are, that are going to attack one of the, the worst offensive lines, if not the worst offensive lines in the NFL on pace right now to give up 75 sacks, which is just a few off the NFL record set by the 2002 Houston Texans. It's uh it is def con one. As I said, <laughs> in my post game article in, uh, in, in SI in SI all Bengals. So, they got to figure that out. Got to get a W this weekend, and hopefully carry that momentum into itself. Stretch.
2: And Russ, one more question before we let you go. I got to ask you. Everybody thinks it's a preview of the AFC Championship game tonight. Who do you got? Chiefs or Ravens?
0: I can't bet against against Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to start now. Didn't start. Didn't start doing that, especially after the uh, the performance in 2018. So they were my Super Bowl pick last year. They're my Super Bowl pick this year. And seeing as those two teams being in my opinion, head and shoulders better than any competition in the NFL right now. The winner of that game really needs to to, uh, to uh, hold, hold the keys and, and continue to control their destiny because getting that number one seed in the AFC this year is going to carry a lot of weight towards getting the Super Bowl and playing in that matchup in February. So give me the Chiefs here. Patrick Mahomes, to my knowledge, never lost as a betting underdog. I don't think he starts now.
1: Well, there you have it. Russ Altman. I always appreciate you coming on to the program, talking a little bit of Bengals, and yeah, it's always good to have you back on the airwaves. It, it's, it's been a while.
0: Yes, sir. Fellas, love being on and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Everybody enjoy it, and it's just it's beautiful having all the sports back right now. It's uh, a great time after not having anything for months. Uh, would love to come back anytime and uh, hopefully discuss a, a Bengals turnaround and some Ws for Joe Burrow and, and uh, Cincinnati Stripes.
1: Oh, we start with a win. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah.
0: Get AWs, exactly. Get AW. Get
1: AW this weekend. Get a win. Russ Altman, SI All Bangles reporter. He's got his report out. Three down look. Bangles, Eagles ends in a tie. You could go look it up online. SI All Bangles. Russ, appreciate your time. we got to take a short break right here on the sports fan. On the other side, Trimble. Up in the top three in the AP poll, plus Cincinnati Reds into the postseason for the first time since 2013. We'll be right back. You're listening to a sports fan on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate.
2: This is Ken Ryan. I'm running for probate and juvenile judge of Athens County. Since 1992, I've served Athens County in many ways. I've been a public school teacher for 12 years, government official and attorney for children, the elderly and mentally ill. I've represented 115 children in juvenile court alone. After 28 years of service and more than 1,000 cases in probate and juvenile court, I've developed a level of experience that is unmatched in this race. Cast your vote for the experience choice. Paid for by Ken Ryan for judge.
0: From an injury interrupting your life's game plan? With comprehensive and minimally invasive surgical services available at multiple locations and an affiliation with Marshall Orthopedics, Holzer has the team to keep you off the sideline. With Holzer on your team, you'll be in the game for the moments that matter most. Holzer Health System, excellent care every time.
2: Cowboy. Oh, wow. For the best in rock, grunge, metal, and whatever, join Sky.
0: Oh, what a good night. Every Wednesday and Thursday night at 10 till midnight on Power 105 with Full Throttle. Hey, hey, guys, I'm loving Full
2: Throttle tonight. I'm rocking, you're rocking. Shoot, Sugar, everybody's rocking tonight. Brought to you by Avalanche Pizza, where every pizza is an adventure. In association with Gruiser Realty and Building. Larry Conrath, he sells houses, Larry Conrath, he sells houses, Larry Conrath, he sells houses, 5913015, 5913015, 5913015. What was that number again? I said 5913015.
0: Join us each week for AutoSmart. You'll never know who will show up. Jay Leno, welcome to Autosmarts. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Don Garlitz, thanks for everything. Thank you so much. Bill Engvall. And Bill, how are you today, sir? I'm doing just great. The one and only Carl Edwards joins us today. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing really good, and uh, thank you for having me on. This is cool. So come on, join in the fun. That's Autosmarts Friday afternoons at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH,
1: sports fan. 970 WATH presented by JK Contracting. 6:34 on the clock, and it's still kind of raining outside. 78 degrees. Hopefully, we have a, a good weekend for high school sports. Hopefully, it's going to be a good atmosphere and a good uh, you know, weather over for the uh, the Ravens and Chiefs game coming up tonight and that game that's a pretty big game right now because you got lamar jackson the reigning mvp you got patrick mahomes who really you can't count him out of any any game uh these two would be my super bowl favorites whoever wins it i I think could really go on to win the whole thing yeah it's interesting uh
2: i think the kind of the assumption last year was that these two teams, after playing the regular season, were going to play again in the, in the AFC Championship game as a foregone conclusion. Obviously, the Ravens didn't hold up their end of the bargain there when they lost to the Titans. But uh, I think it's kind of the talk again this year. It appears, you know, uh, along the media that these two teams are far and away the best two teams in football, and especially the Ravens' dominant first couple weeks, uh, easy win over the, over the Browns week one, and then came back, beat Deshaun Watson the Texans by you know, almost 20 points, you know, they've been dominant, right? And the Chiefs, it's interesting because they haven't been exactly firing on all cylinders, right? I mean, they, you know, they beat Houston pretty good to open up the season, but then last week, I mean, they were all but beaten until the fourth quarter when Mahomes made an insane throw rolling out to his right, found Tariq Hill in the end zone to uh, end up tying that game up, and then, of course, they went on to win an overtime, Bucker drilled a 58-yarder, but not firing on all cylinders, and the thing about the Chiefs is everybody knows that their run defense leaves something to be desired, and the Ravens run the football at a historically good rate. If you look back to last year, they had the most rushing yards ever by a team. Yes, in 2019, not in, not in uh, 1930, right, which is funny to think about. But uh, So it's an interesting matchup. I think the keys for the Ravens is going to have to be run the ball because it's what they do best, um, keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible, and uh, just play sound defense. You know, if they can get some pressure, that's going to be big. You can't let Mahomes just sit back there because they'll kill you from the pocket, as we've seen. And we know uh, Baltimore likes to scheme up a lot of blitzes, so I, I would assume that's going to continue to happen in the game tonight. But you can never count Patrick Mahomes out, as Russ said, before he uh, before hung up there. Uh, so I think, I don't know, I don't, you might agree with this, Connor. I think when you look at it, man for man,
1: the roster, the Ravens have the better team. I mean, I'd have to take a look at the entire roster and see, man-for-man. What is it, 52-53-man roster? I'd have to go down and actually see and and verify that. But, you know, bottom line is both teams have good rosters. Both teams are capable of winning the Super Bowl this year. Ravens, of course, had that hiccup in the postseason, like you said. Uh, But the Chiefs Chiefs have been dominant. You know, they might have a couple holes here or there. Maybe, you know, their defense... um, was a question last year uh but the defense stepped up when they needed to uh yeah, chiefs I don't know ESPN has it as a favorite for the Ravens over the chiefs tonight and they they, they say sixty it's about sixty forty i I'd still say it's fifty fifty shot you know who wins this game between the ravens and and, and chiefs because they it, it, two good teams anything can happen between them uh to, yeah, I just don't I think that Kansas City's defense is, uh,
2: has some holes in it that can be exploited by Baltimore and Baltimore's defense is one of the best in football, if not the especially through the first couple of weeks. They have one of the best secondaries. I mean they're they got some young linebackers and Patrick Queen, Malik Harris, and they've been flying around their their defensive front. They added Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf. No one can really run on them. Uh their their biggest issue is pass rush and that's obviously gonna be an issue if you can't get a pass rush against this. Chiefs team. I mean, we saw the Chargers able to do it last week with uh, Bosa and Ingram and those guys. But you know, the Ravens don't have a Joey Bosa at pass rusher. I mean, Judon's a solid player. Tyus Bowser's okay, uh, but you know, you're not really getting a, a premier edge rusher for Baltimore that can impact the game like they've had in the past with a guy like Terrell Suggs or other guys like that. So it'll be it'll be a good matchup. I, uh, as I said, the, the a couple years ago in 2018, the way the Ravens almost beat them in Kansas City, they were up 24-17, then Mahomes threw the fourth and nine prayer that ended up leading to tying the game they won in overtime. The way the Ravens won that game was they ran the ball all over, controlled the clock. The Chiefs only had two or three possessions in the second half. Right? So, and I think that's going to be the have to be the formula. Okay, we know Lamar can throw. Everybody knows that now. We don't need to, You don't need to go out and have him throw the ball 45 times because it's a Monday night game. You want to show him off. Run the football, win the game, and I mean, this game down the road, you know, you're going to assume these two teams are going to be one and two in the AFC, and there's only one bye this year. Right. Uh, so it's going to have big implications uh, when it comes to playoff time, having that head to head matchup win for either of these teams.
1: If I had to pick a team right now who's going to win this ball game, I'm going to go Baltimore. You know, I like the Baltimore defense. I like that, you know, I would take the the Ravens defense over the Chiefs defense. I would take the Chiefs' offense over the Ravens' offense. However, because, you know, the Ravens are going against the Chiefs' defense, I I think that the offense of the Ravens are going to put up some points. Uh, I I think it's going to be a kind of a mid— mid scoring game. I don't see it being a Yeah, I don't know if blowout. it's going to be
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be that shootout that people I'm, that no. remember that Rams Chiefs game a couple years ago on right. Monday night. I think people are kind of expecting that. I don't know. I feel like the defenses are going to make it a little bit stingy
1: tonight. Right. I don't see it being a, a blowout. I don't see it being a shootout. Uh but I do think that it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to favor the Ravens and that's uh you know, what's going to happen Monday night football. That that would be my prediction. You have a score prediction? Uh I'll go 32-24 Ravens. Okay, I like where your
2: head's at. I got a little closer. I think uh, I think it, I think the Ravens do win. I don't know if they cover the spread though. I have a feeling I could see a uh, 24-24 tie. A couple minutes left, and the Ravens driving down for a for a Justin Tucker game winner, twenty-seven
1: to twenty-four. Maybe we'll see. We gotta wait and see, but. We gotta take another break right here on the Sports Fan. On the other side, your calls, and of course, Trimble Football making some national, uh, making some statewide recognition in Division Seven, and of course, Cincinnati is in the postseason. That game coming your way on Wednesday at 11:30 for the pregame, first pitch at 12 o'clock against the Atlanta Braves. 740-592-6646. We'll be right back. It's a Sports Fan presented by Jane k Contracting.
0: We celebrate life.
2: Introducing Donato's Cauliflower Crust Pizza. Donato's Cauliflower Crust Pizza has 30% fewer carbs than the brand's thin crust, and you can choose from three signature 10 inch pies, including cauliflower heat with pepper jack cheese, jalapenos, fresh red pepper, and plant based sausage. Or the cauliflower garden with green peppers, onions, mushrooms, and plant based sausage. Not your style? Totally okay. You can make your own 10 inch cauliflower pizza to your liking. Only at Donato's on East State Street in Athens.
0: What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM
1: WATH. Stop by the Athens County Fairgrounds on October 3rd from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. for the Athens County Fall Recycling Day. Recycling anything from car and truck tires to dishwashers and fluorescent tubes, e-waste, scrap metal, household batteries, and books you can recycle for free while it's only $5 for a mattress and 35 cents for a compact fold. Air conditioners and refrigerators not accepted. Call the Athens Hocking Solid Waste District for more information at 740-573-6885.
0: Live and local, The Sports Fan, on 970
1: WATH. It's The Sports Fan right here on the 97s of WATH, 643. Still raining outside, hasn't changed. Mills and mic alongside Joe Medore up until 7 o'clock today. Joey, it's been a good football season so far, five weeks in at the high school football level, and so far, so good for the Trimble Tomcats. They find themselves with a 5-0 and record. They head to South Gallia next week, so you don't want to make any assumptions. You don't want to you know, push it forward a little bit too far. you got to play that game first, uh, but... They're going to win. They're going to win. <laughs> they're going to be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't want to... You don't want to drink anybody, but the way that the Trimble mentality is... You, know, you take it day by day, you play hard, and normally come out on top. And for the Tomcats, well, it, it, again, South Gallia. You got to beat South Gallia, and then you can really focus on the postseason and, and so on and so forth. Well, but if they lose to South Gallia, they're dropping far down these rankings yeah, that, we, that we got here. The uh, AP poll, the Ohio AP poll, put out this ranking here today uh, in Division Seven, the top five. Uh, Marion Local, Fort Loramie, and then Trimble is in third with 126 votes. New Madison Tri-Village in fourth, and Warren John F. Kennedy uh, with one first-place vote is down in fifth. Let me just round out the top ten. Lima Central Catholic, Malvern, Lucas, Dalton, and Lennetta. Uh, it's interesting that the team in
2: fifth got one first-place vote, and everybody else yeah. picked the, the one team. Yes, they play in a tough. They have a
1: loss, so it's tough to put you at the top. Right, but I mean, I, I somebody assume, voted for them. Right, all twenty first place votes went to Marion Local, but Trimble, I mean, they five and zero. Oh. I mean, they beat Waterford last week, 14 to nothing. Yeah, it's good to see that they're getting that recognition uh, statewide because
2: I think there's a little bit of worry that the teams down here with uh, everybody being able to make the playoffs might get you know shafted a little bit when it comes to the uh, the uh, the playoff seedings because. Maybe the competition down here isn't viewed as great in the TVC as uh, some of the other places around. So it's good to see that Trimble uh, representing the Hawking there is up in third place. I mean, we're going to assume they're going to get the one seed in, uh, in their region, and that will be good to see, and that they're going to be uh, really tough to stop. I mean, this team just keeps getting better and better every single week. The defense is legit. Tabor Lackey's growing as a quarterback. Blake Guffey might be one of the best athletes in this area. I mean, that kid has just been... Balling out this year.
1: If he's not the TVC Hawking Player of the Year, I don't know who is. Yeah. Because he just does everything. He's won single handedly. Well, not single handedly, of course, but he kicked the field goal to beat Eastern. You know, Trimble won by a field goal. They have a field goal kicker this year, which is huge. Now, he's also missed a couple extra points. I think it was tipped uh, against Waterford because Waterford, uh, East, uh, Trimble had to go for a two and get the two point conversion to make it 14 to nothing. But still, You know, it was a big game again by Guffey. He just reaches up in the top left portion of the end zone and and catches that touchdown over a defender. You know, it was a uh, spend the Guffey show every single week. And, of course, it also helps when you have other talented players around him. But, you know, Guffey has done a lot. Tabor Lackey has done a lot. Downs has done a lot. You can't ask for more out of this team, especially since you lost a lot of upperclassmen. The majority of this team... It's underclassmen, freshmen. Freshmen. You only have four seniors. So not only are you going to be, you know, competitive this year, you're going to be really competitive next year. What is it? They have
2: 17 sophomore, juniors, seniors 18. and then 18 freshmen? Uh, eight, yeah, yeah, 18 freshmen. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy to think about. And they're doing well. And they played two really good teams the first couple of weeks that uh, they started out 2 and 0, obviously. 5 and 0 now.
1: Now, it would be interesting to see if they had their original schedule. I don't know if Trimble would be sitting undefeated here if they had you know, all the other you know, teams that they had uh, before he had to condense the schedule uh, because of COVID regulations. But still, you got to tip your cap off to Coach Ferris and this Tomcat team because they are good again. Yeah. And they lost a lot last year. And they are still in there battling every single game, and they're coming out on top couple close it's no longer blowout wins you know i mean you had a blowout win against southern 57 nothing uh but you're winning close games well, which is important i
2: mean also what you got to look at i mean what does it say about eastern how good they are you know they yeah tough loss week one to caldwell but then they lost to this Trimble team by three points and, and then one by two and against had waterford right and had every shot to win the game i mean they were driving down the field had a chance to take the lead drive stalled out but i mean Yeah, Eastern and Waterford in the playoffs—they're going to cause problems for some teams. Uh, They're—they're two good teams. They have—they have a couple losses, both of them. But I mean, they've—they've all lost
1: to quality opponents. Yeah, I mean, if if we take a real look at who Waterford has lost to this year, right? You have Fort Fry on that list. Which I mean, you can—I mean—they're—they're a good every single year. Fort Fry is good. Right, right. They have one of the longest active winning streaks uh, in the regular season going on in the state of Ohio. You have a loss to Fort Fry, and you have a loss. Uh, to Eastern and Trimble, three losses this year. and a six-week schedule, uh, you gotta—you'll probably be, you know, somewhere around, you know, three and three. Uh, but if you're Waterford, you know, you gotta take a look at those losses. Those are good teams. Yeah, you know, you're right in those games. And we'll see what you know. They got Caldwell Week Six, so that'll be kind uh, of like Belprey. So Caldwell is already scheduled. For oh, the playoffs. Yeah, that's my, yeah. yeah right, so right, right. there will be a Caldwell game on October 23rd, if. Uh you know, they're not Waterford still gets knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Caldwell, if they get knocked out as well. Yeah. That would have
2: been, been good to see before uh the postseason to kind of get a measuring stick. But yeah, Waterford, they're a good team I mean, Ford Fry, Eastern Trimble, all really good teams around here. Uh and you know, none of them were blowouts. They were in every they've been in every game. The only thing you can say against Waterford is who have they beaten? That's that impressive. Um because I mean the couple wins right now are South Gallia and Southern, but I mean they were, you know, blowout wins. So Waterford, they're good. They're experienced. I mean, their Achilles' heel will be uh, the lack of ability to throw the football consistently. But,
1: right, and you can really take that argument over to the TVC Ohio too, because with Wellston, who have they really beat? Yeah, Wellston has a win over River Valley. Nelsonville York has been hot and cold. They've been hot recently. You know, it was an early season win for Wellston over Nelsonville York, twenty-four to twelve, and they you know, shut out Alexander forty to nothing, and then they lost to Galleon Fort Fry. Gallia, close loss, nineteen fourteen, Fort Fry, twenty eight to six. But you know, that same argument that we're using for Waterford can definitely be used for Wellston too. Yeah. Uh because will they win the T V C Ohio? I think they're the favorite. You know, I'd like to see that Athens game get made up against Wellston. Uh, haven't heard a date or anything really about that yet. But it will be a pretty good I think it'd be a good game and could decide the T V C Ohio depending on what happens with Athens and N.Y. coming up on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, that could. going to be a big week. But as for our game of the week over on WXTQ, as of right now, we will have Megs and Alexander over on 105, and then, of course, the NY and Athens game right here on 970 WATH. However, with the Cincinnati Reds in the postseason for the first time in a long time, mm. that schedule can change. And with the Reds, right now, it's a three-game series. You start it on Wednesday, and it goes all the way until Friday. Very interesting dynamic there. It is. It's a bubble-esque situation. So, Or no, it's, it's uh, well, they go down to Atlanta. They play uh, in, in Atlanta's home ballpark. But, you know, it's, they're the only two teams there. All the games are going to get played there. It's not like they're going to come back to uh, Cincinnati and play. But uh, then you get into the bubble situation and stuff. However, you have a game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you got Bauer, you got Castillo, and you got Sonny Gray out on the mound. I think that the Reds really have a good chance. They've been playing some good baseball lately. They got a decent chance against these Atlanta Braves. Well,
2: we'll when we were talking about how, you know, how tough it, it's been for them, um, you know, like what we always did say was how good the pitching was. And the starting rotation is playoff. It's a playoff starting rotation they have. They just needed the bats. Yeah, and they started to come around. The bullpen's still going to be an issue, uh, but the thing is, with three games, right? If you're going to have, you're going to have Gray and Bauer,
1: I would assume for those two games. Bauer one. I mean, he's he's the Cy Young favorite. Yeah, Trevor Bauer's going to start game one, and then I think Luis Castillo's game two, and then uh, Sonny Gray game three. I mean, but if, if, if I remember that, off the top of my with, head, with that rotation, and now the Braves have a good
2: lineup, but you know. Starting pitch is everything in the, in the playoffs. If you can pitch, you are going to be fine. And you're going to be in every game. And, I mean, they're going to get Bauer going six, seven innings, pitching shut down ball. If they can scratch across a few runs, hold a lead. And another thing you got to look at is historically the Braves haven't won a playoff series since 2001. So, I mean, you got that going for you. That's looming over their heads. They're trying to get that monkey off their back against this Reds team who up until a couple of weeks ago looked dead in the water. But now they're hot and Three games, you got You got to win two games, that's all. I mean, you, if you just get hot a couple of days back-to-back, back, you're good to go. And we've seen they've been able to string together a lot of wins these past couple of weeks. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Braves are a really good team, but it's just, it's one of those trends where uh, when Atlanta gets to the playoffs, I mean, 19 years since
1: they've won a playoff series. All right. Some, it's just the Braves do not have a whole lot of, uh, they don't have a whole lot of luck. And you got to have a lot of luck when you're in baseball, and you got to be good. But you
2: also have to be lucky. Remember that game five last year? They gave up like ten runs in the first two innings against, uh, against the Cardinals, and that game was over just like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's going to be, I, like, I think this is a great draw for the Reds, really. Um, they're going to have the superior starting rotation. I mean, they're, they got the power in the bats. They're, you know, really good at hitting home runs this year. They've been more, more timely. Yeah, they've been more timely. With, uh, with their clutch hitting, it hasn't been all on the long ball these past couple of weeks. The bullpen has held it together. It could cause problems later on, but this matchup, I mean, you could have got the Dodgers or the Braves, and uh, you know, they got the latter. And I think it's a, it's a matchup as a, as a Braves fan. I'd be a little worried about with uh, just how dominant the starting rotation can be
1: when all those guys are at their best. Well, I think Joey Votto said it best in a press conference that I'm not going to repeat what he said because it, it's a little uh, profane. <laughs> but, you know, they are a blank nightmare for other teams. And I, yeah. I think that's, that's overall, as of right now, the way that they played over the last week, the way that they played this last month is a true statement by Bottle because that rotation is deadly. That, if they can hit, they're good. You know, all they needed to do was wake up the bats. The pitching was there every day. Every day. They were in every game because of the pitching. Now if you just had some hitting, they would have won ball games and they did. Yeah. I mean they ran into one of the like
2: insanely cold streaks as an offense. They had like I mean for about a month there, they just couldn't hit anything. I mean no. they were the last in the league and all the majors in batting average.
1: But it got better. I mean they would only have a couple they would also be at the top in home runs, which you know. And they were top in ERA. And yeah. every other team in the top ten in the ERA was competing for a playoff spot at the time, and they weren't. And you knew that the Reds were capable of, of making this run, just the way that pitching was there. They were hitting the home runs, but nobody was getting on base. You know, there, there was no, you know, consecutive hits. There was no timely hits for the Reds. But if they were able to put something together, I think they can make a deep run into this postseason. Now, do I think that they're going to be better than the Dodgers? I don't really think that they're better than the Dodgers. No one's better than the Dodgers. No, I I think uh, you know the Dodgers are definitely a team that, if this year isn't their year, I have no idea what year would be their year. Oh, Dave Roberts is gonna have to be gone if they don't win it this year. They're absolutely loaded. Um, Same thing for Mattingly too. I mean, Mattingly tried to run that team, and you know he uh, he did a good job up until he he got let go. I mean, they were too good to not be winning World Series.
2: That, that was, that was the, the problem. Right. But, yeah, focusing back in on the Reds and the pitching rotation, it, it's kind of like how you you we want to talk about it in, in football how offense, how great it is these days, how, how the offenses have really evolved and it's really tough to play defense. But if you ever notice, when you get to postseason football, it's always the teams that have the good defenses that continue to play and Whoever wins the Super Bowl usually has one of the top five, top ten defenses in the league. Same thing with baseball and pitching. If you've got a top five, top ten pitching rotation in the playoffs, you're going to be good to go, and you're going to be a team that everyone's going to be scared of because you you just know it's going to be a tough day. And if you can't
1: put runs on the board, I mean, you're not going to win. Well, I don't know if you saw, but MLB put put out a bracket, right? They They got this bracket challenge that's going on. And I submitted the bracket. I got a couple upsets here. But I got the Reds upsetting the Braves. I've got the Reds then upsetting the Cubs because the Cubs are the three wow. seed. Reds are the seven seed. I think they can get past the Cubs. Then I got the Dodgers over the Reds. And then in the uh, the World Series, I, no no, uh, no upsets here. Rays, Dodgers, that could be a good one. And I got the Dodgers winning over the Rays. Uh, but you know round one, I don't know. Rays over Blue Jays, Indians over the Yankees. I like the pitching staff for the Indians way better than the Yankees have been doing as of late. Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean,
2: as we just said, it comes down to pitching, and it was the Yankees' Achilles heel last year. They thought bringing in Garrett Cole was going to be the one. No, you can't just have one guy when it comes to postseason. you got to have guys that can just, you know, you're gonna they're going to go out there and give you six, seven strong innings. Um, and the Yankees don't really have that. So, yeah, I think they're going to be in trouble with Cleveland, too. And, I mean, I've been telling I – don't, I don't remember if we talked about this on the – I was like, could you imagine if Bauer was still on the Indians right now? My God. That team if they be. had Bieber and – I don't know what that accent was there. It just kind of came out <laughs> weird. If they had Bieber and Bauer on the same team right now, oh, my God. They would be – they'd win the World Series, I think. I mean, the pitching
1: staff in and of itself is pretty good for Cleveland. But with, with Bauer, it might be even better. It'd be – Far and away the best one in baseball. Uh, but going through the other picks, Twins over the Astros. I think round one that's definitely doable. Twins at 36 and 24, Astros 29 and 31. Astros are not the same team since you know the cheating got uh, disclosed. Uh, White Sox. I have upsetting the Athletics. I've got that one as an upset pick. Seven over the two. Then I've got the Dodgers over the Brewers, Padres yep. over the Cardinals. You have both sevens over two right now. Yeah, that, I think that's my only upset ones. Uh, Cubs over the Marlins, and then Reds over the Braves, which is another 7-2 uh, and two matchup. But there you go. i got to go back and see. I didn't have the Mets in last, but I had the Mets in fourth in the AL East, and Marlins not making the postseason. But I told you the, the Rays would ones. be the best team in the AL East. You did. You did have that one. Uh, but, yeah, postseason baseball. Close to high school postseason. Nothing like postseason baseball. And postseason in the NBA, too. I mean, that's been going on. But we got the Lakers and heat. Interested in NBA stuff. Anyway, that's been the Sportsman right here on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. For Joey Middor, this is Connor Mills signing off. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow, 6.06. CBS News is next.